Amen. Amen. Here we go. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Um, so, again, it's a great honor to be with you this afternoon. It is afternoon. And um, just want to say thank you to Pastor Mark and Amy as well, who has escaped the premises, <laughs> I think. And uh, she'll be back. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, so I just wanted to let you know, first of all, that you have got some real amazing, graced and gifted pastors. Amen. That, uh, you know, that you, it'd be good for you to recognize that. I'm sure you do. But, uh, you know, we have, you know, we met them in the late 90s, early 2000s and have really always uh, really not not only ad admired them, but respected them very much based on their spirit, their quality of spirit. You know, Ingrid and I often talked about, you know, there's just something real special about Pastor Mark and Amy. You know, can't always put your finger on it, but uh, it's not just their good looks, right? You know, we, we talked of in the first couple hours about them being the being the Hollywood couple. Amen. But uh, but there's more to it. There's 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 an anointing that is on them that's very recognizable, very visible, and that's you know you don't always see that right in in other places. So I believe that's very important for you to recognize and uh, acknowledge that. But not not only that, but just just to have a pastoral gift among you. That 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 uh, that recognizes the rest of the body of Christ and gives other people an opportunity to be part of a local body, exercising their gift. You don't find that too often either. So, in that sense, again, they're very uh, graced as well. But that's why you have a growing body, Amen. Because that's what people want. You know, they want to be part of something. They can take an ownership. Uh, they have a, they feel like they're they're part of it, right? And it's not just they don't just come to attend. You didn't just come to attend, did you? You came to become a partaker, amen. You're taking part in all of this. So I believe those are really simple things, but very important factors to see a real healthy growing church. And that's exactly what I what I see. I see a real healthy growing church. Praise the Lord. So the Lord has you know uh, we pastored for about thirty. 30 years and since 2016 we gave uh, the church over to our oldest son and daughter-in-law uh, who I believe are much better at pastoring than what we did. We are, we are great starters but then you get to the point that you're going to have to give it over. You have to recognize you're going to have to give it over because otherwise it just, things just become stagnant and you know I don't ever want to be stagnant. I don't want to back up. I want to move forward. And so the Lord had already dealt with us you know over the years of uh, doing some more apostolic work. And when I say that, I say that with, you know, not with pride or anything. It's not that I did that, you know, but the Lord laid it on our hearts, you know, to in be, get involved in more launching of churches and uh, leadership training centers and add a humanitarian project to what we're doing. That was in our, in our hearts. But I said, Lord, if that's true, if you've called us to do that, then I'm not going to say that from the pulpit because it'll just look like, Okay, who do you think you are? <laughs> right? But, you know, uh, we had a couple coming by, uh, Kevin and Annie Durant. I'm sure you know them. And uh, Kevin was supposed to preach that morning, and Annie 
uh, you know, the minute they walked in the building, they knew, no, 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 we're going to make some changes. Annie operates more as a prophetess. So she just prophesied in the service, not just not by this side of the Lord, but from the pulpit. She just preached the message. And she laid bare everything that Ingrid and I had in our hearts. Everything, you know, to a, to a, to a T. You know, I couldn't have done it better my own self. And, uh, you know, so that opened up the door for us to start making those changes and put our oldest son and daughter-in-law in the, in the pulpit a lot more, giving us the opportunity to go around the world and get involved. Amen. Because how many of you know this message that we have, uh, we take it for granted, but it's not very well known around the world. You know, certain parts are a little bit better than others. But last week when I was in Cuba, you know, for instance, I'll just give you an example here. Uh, last week when I ministered in Cuba to one of the one of the pastors' meetings, there were about 100 pastors gathered. And they're all excited, right? And so when you see a bunch of people excited and hungry for Jesus, you automatically think of them as born-again spirit-filled, wouldn't you? That's how I think. So when I was led to give an altar call for pastors to be filled with the Spirit, I thought it was a little strange, but I thought, well, I'm just going to do it. And because I had that leading, so I asked for pastors to come up to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And 60 out of 100 pastors came up to become filled with the Holy Spirit. So, you know, this is a brand new message, right, to many people and to many pastors in Cuba. So, you know, so those are the things that we get involved in. We're going to be, I'm going to be gone to Ethiopia next month where we uh, are involved in starting a work uh, in which we are going to reach pastors mainly. Uh, we're working with about 2,000 pastors, about 1,000 churches and 2,000 pastors, and they're, they're begging us basically to come and help because their struggle is really with is Islam, right? Uh, Islam is coming in strong into Ethiopia. Uh, the Arab countries are pouring millions upon millions of dollars into Ethiopia. And they want to see a mosque established in every part of the country. So the Christian leaders are becoming a little bit afraid because, you know, what are we going to do? So pastors need to become trained. And uh, so we're involved in starting a, a leadership training center. It's not just for ministers only. We've opened it up for business people. How many of you know it's okay to have some spirit-led business? <laughs> Amen. It's all right for business people to learn about morals and ethics, right? To have good character, because if you have that in, in business, you can't help but flourish and prosper as well. And we've opened it up to politicians as well. In a few of the meetings that I've done in the past in Ethiopia, some of the politicians, they, they actually came. I'm not sure the reason why they came. It could be, you know, just to be seen among 2,000 pastors. <laughs> but still, I mean, I'm just glad that they, that they came. And so the doors are wide open for us to do something great in Ethiopia. And, uh, you know, and having said that, I, I'm, I'm saying that in, in advance because uh, I want to tell you kind of a testimony with the word, uh, how the Lord brought us there. And, and I want to start out by taking you to the Gospel of John, chapter 16 and verse 7. If you have your Bibles with you, you may want to turn there. Where Jesus made this statement, he's coming to the end of his earthly ministry. And it's a, it's a transition period, right? It's a transition period in which he is going to leave. He's gonna, he knows he's going to 
uh, you know, die. He's going to be resurrected. He's going to ascend. He's going to be glorified. And so this is a pivotal time for him to introduce a new person to them who is going to take Jesus' place. Now, how many of you know that could be a little bit of a challenge <laughs> to, 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 to introduce a new person at this moment? So this is what he says. Nevertheless, he says, I tell you the truth. I mean, you are glad that Jesus is telling the truth. He said, it is expedient or more advantageous for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, we know him to be the Holy Spirit, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So here, Jesus is introducing the Comforter. You know, we know him to be the Holy Spirit. And he, how many of you know he's more than a Comforter, right? Uh, then the word Comforter comes from a Greek word, paraclete. That, yes, it can mean, mean a comforter. But, you know, when I used to read these scriptures, I used to think of the Holy Spirit as a kind of a spiritual handkerchief. <laughs> right? That, you know, when you needed some comfort, he would pat you on the back and say, come, come, you know, you can do it or something like that. And that's all I thought. Right? He just comes to comfort you. You know, and he, and don't get me wrong, he is a great comforter. Right when last year when my dad went to be with the Lord, it was a glorious time actually. Right, I mean, we were we were glad that he that he went <laughs> for for all the right reasons because there was nothing sad about him going to to be with the Lord. You know, he's 86. He's run his life. He did everything he wanted to do for the Lord, and he said, I'm, "I don't want to do anything else." So he so he chose to go home, and uh, you know, on his bed, on his deathbed. He was in and out every once in a while, and every time when he came to, he came, you know, to us again. He looked at us, and I could tell on his face, he's, he, he is a little on, on the disappointed side to see us. So, I'm still here. Yes. I said, You're, you, you sound very di uh, di disappointed. I said, maybe you should try a little harder. <laughs> so, eventually, he did finally go, and it was a glorious experience for all of us. Of course, we do miss him. And so the Holy Ghost is right there to comfort you. Amen. I mean, he gave great counsel to my mom. He's a great comforter to my mom. It's all grace. I mean, she's been pretty pretty joyful in all of this time, I must say. It's amazing how, how strong that the presence of the Holy Spirit is. But not only is he a comforter, he is a strengthener. Amen. He is a standby. And if you, if you look at the, the job description that the Holy Spirit has, He also will show you things to come. Right? So He will show you your future. Not only will He show you what, what the end times are going to look like, that's one, one way to explain it, but He will also show you where your end time is or where your future lies. That, I believe that's very helpful. Amen. Because, you know, one thing that, that the fallen human race, I'm not talking about us, but the fallen human race, they have no idea what tomorrow holds. Right? I mean, rats can leave a ship because they, they know it's going to sink. They have at least enough sense to leave the ship. Human beings don't even know when the ship is going to sink. When the ship sinks, they're going right down with it. <laughs> right? So there's no, no, no radar in the fallen human race to jump ship when they have to. We don't know. People don't, don't know that. But if you are filled with the Holy Ghost, whoo, I tell you what, not only will you know what tomorrow holds, you'll know what the next day holds when it comes to your life. And again, I believe that's a very helpful thing. So Jesus is here. He's introducing a new person. 
He is saying, I'm coming to the end of my, my ministry. I'm going to be with the Father, you know, in order to exercise a more excellent ministry. But I'm going to send someone in my place. And actually, he says, it is much better that he comes to you when I go because, uh, you know, you're going to be better off. Now, if I were one of the disciples, let's pretend we're Peter, and if I would hear that, then I might think, ah, I'm not sure if I'm real happy about that. Come on, Jesus. We've had a good run. You know, we've been with you for the last three and a half years. You know, I've seen you change water into wine. I've seen you feed the 5,000. I've seen you walk on water. You told me to get out of the boat. I walked a little while on the water myself. You know, pretty exciting, pretty good stuff. I've seen you heal the sick. I've seen you raise the dead. I've, we've seen you do all of those things. And now you are saying, we're going to be better off when you're gone? I don't know about that. Right? That's something that I would think Peter might have thought or, 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 or might have said. But, you know, let me ask you this question. What is better? That Jesus would be walking right next to you? Right? He's walking right next to you and you see him do all of those miracles that he did. And you are clapping your hands and say, Jesus, you did an amazing job. Not only that, but you are many times you're a part of it. Is that a good thing? Or would it be better that the one who is really the initiator and the cause of all of those miracles, the Holy Spirit, is not just going to be with you, but he's going to be in you so that you can do the very things that Jesus did. Amen. I would venture to say that everybody would quickly agree. It's better for Jesus to move to heaven, send the Holy Spirit so that you and I can do the same things. As a matter of fact, that's the reason why you're born again. Amen. If I would ask you the question, like I've done in many parts of the world, I ask people the question, what is the main reason why you're born again? Now, nine... 9 out of 10, 9.5 out of 10, I would say. <laughs> you know, 9.5 out of the 10 times that I ask that question, people will say this, well, I am born again, I am saved, so I could go to heaven. Now, that's true. You know, there's nothing wrong with making that statement. But I would say there's even a deeper meaning than that. I believe that you are born again, not just so you could go to heaven, but the, so that heaven in all of its power could move inside of you. Amen. Heaven wanted to move on the inside of you so that you can do the things that Jesus did. After all, that's his expectation. Your job description is to go out in all the world and preach the gospel and see the same signs follow you that follow Jesus. Jesus made a statement that things that I do, you shall do also and greater works then these you shall do because I go to the Father. Well, did he go? He did, didn't he? So that means we are here to do the works of Jesus and do even greater works. That's our job description. Amen. But, of course, you can't do it by yourself. You're going to have to be filled with the Spirit. Amen. And so uh, in the first couple hours, I, I, I told my story and told my testimony about how, how I got born again, how I got healed as well so that I can do what I'm doing now. But one of the things, you know, that, that really became real to me was, uh, was being filled with the Spirit and begin to speak with other tongues. The way that it happened, I don't want to talk about that testimony, but the way when it became really clear is I went to a camp meeting back in... 1981. Ingrid and I, we were just dating at the time. 
And uh, so Ingrid was 17, I'm 20, you know, something like that. And so we went to a camp meeting, you know, uh, down in Tulsa. And, I, you know, we had never seen anything like that or experienced anything like that to see that many people praising the Lord. And the anointing was just so, so strong that it felt like, you know, if I had a knife with me, I could cut it out and put it in my back pocket and take it home. As a matter of fact, that's what I wanted to do. But you can't do that right? You can't do that. As a matter of fact, I just wanted, I, I, I was just so impressed. It just felt so good to be there. The anointing being so strong. I thought to myself, I want to take this home, but how can I take this home? And I, we started driving home. We, we drove to Tulsa. So that's about 2,000 miles. I mean, you know, that's a long distance. So you have time to think. You got time to pray. But while I'm praying and I'm thinking, I'm getting a little bit, uh, almost desperate, you know, because that feeling left, right? As you're driving, that feeling left, you know, you're back to a normal pumping gas in your vehicle, you know, buying some groceries while you're driving. So slowly and slowly that feeling left and I'm thinking, how can I get that? How can I keep that? How can I put it in my back pocket? Well, you can't. So I asked the Lord, what can I do to bring this home? So he said to me, you're going to have to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. How I many you know that's really good advice? <laughs> right? That's in, the, that's in the Bible, James chapter 1 and verse 22. So I made up my mind, I'm going to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. When I want that anointing that I, that I saw and that I sensed, that I experienced, I'm going to have to be a doer of the word. So I remember driving home, driving home or actually coming home. And I made up my mind, I'm going to be a doer of the Word. As a matter of fact, you know, we had just started, we were part of a brand new church launch. I was not preaching or anything, but I did lead praise and worship. And uh, so these people, they knew I had gone to a camp meeting, and they wanted me to give a quick little testimony about what happened. And so I gave a quick little testimony. And when I came up on stage, you could just feel the excitement in the air. Right? And I could just, you know, people didn't say anything, but you could just sense, you know, what happened to you? You know, did the prophet come and lay hands on you? And you fell under the power for at least three days. And you probably went to heaven and Jesus must have talked to you. Tell us, tell us, Brother John, what happened to you? And so I told them, you know, that the main thing that I got out of this meeting was that the Lord told me to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And, and not a hearer only. And so the excitement that was in the air went poof. <laughs> it was gone. And now it felt like, you know, that people are, you know, I have to get them out of a state of depression. <laughs> right. Like you could just read people's faces. What? You drove all that distance and all you found out was that James chapter 1 and verse 22. I could have told you that. As a matter of fact, one gentleman who took us home after the service said, you know, um, I could have told you that. He said, James chapter 1 verse 22 says, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Yeah, I said, I know that. I know that. But how do you know there's a difference between God telling you something or, or a man telling you something? I knew I'm going to have to be a doer of the word. I'm, I, I made up my mind. And so one of the things I'm going to have to do is pray. Be, not, not just pray every once in a while, but become a prayer. Become involved in prayer. 
And, uh, you know, because I'm new to all of this new charismatic Christian stuff, and I kind of found myself drifting towards the people that I thought would be the most spiritual, and they were the prayers, right? And I really liked praying with them when they did. But <laughs> most of the time, most of the time, this is what they said, we should pray more. We should pray more. Something would happen in the country or in the church or something else drastic took place. And they would all say, you know, we should pray more. And so it wasn't long and I joined them, kind of joined the choir, it felt like. And I began to say things like they were saying, I should pray more. The problem was we never did, right? We just never did. We just said we should pray more, but we never did. So I know for myself, I can't say that anymore. I'm going to have to actually do it. I'm going to have to actually pray more. So I asked Akiv, you know, there was a small church at the time. It's just starting out. But I asked Akiv uh, to the church from my pastor, and I asked him, do you mind if I take the key and then I can go to church and pray, pray more? <laughs> you know, he was more than happy to. And so I remember, uh, you know, walking, just walking around the church and all of the chairs and just pray, just pray in tongue. Because I'm thinking, well, that's, that ought to do something, right? That ought to do something. I ought to be, be able to say at the end of the day, if I prayed in tongues, I got something. And people would ask me, did you get anything out of it? And I said, well, if I'm really honest, uh, no. <laughs> no, other than that, I just get a dry mouth from talking so much. That's, that's all I got out of it. But then I began to pay attention. You know, what was actually happening while I'm praying in tongues? You know what was happening? As I'm praying in tongues, I get all these pictures, right? All these pictures. Not, I'm not talking about floating pictures or so, but you, just, you, you, you get these thoughts coming up in you about, you know, going to Bible school, about going into the ministry, about going into the nations, doing all of these things that I'm doing now. But, you know, I, w I thought, well, that's not really me. So I would, th I would throw those things away. I'm thinking Bible school. I don't want to go to Bible school. I mean, that's not like the more, most boring place on earth, right? You know, I never was good at school. <laughs> so now you add the Bible to it. It's got to be the most boring place that I've ever been, right? But I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I did because I tell you what, that opened up my eyes in so many ways. It paved the way for the ministry. And so once, once you follow that, right? See, that was the Lord telling me. I just was ignorant. I didn't know how he was working. I'm thinking, I get all these pictures when I'm praying in tongues and I would throw them away. But it's the Lord showing me what my future holds. Right? What my future holds. So I began to do that. After Bible school, the doors opened for us to become involved at the, at the church we were a part of when we planted it. You know, we, be, we became more involved there. And, uh, you know, to make a long story short, you know, uh, well, one of the things that I wanted to mention as well is, you know, I said, well, Lord, this is nice, you know, like I get all these things for the future, but can you give me something a little bit more tangible, right, that I can build with, that I can have a testimony that is right, right now. So one time, uh, you know, in the early days of this church, then um, right after the morning service, I just had it on my heart to stay a little bit longer and pray a little bit more. So I asked my pastor, do you mind if I stay a little bit longer? I said, sure. He said, sure. So everybody left. I waited till everybody's gone out, locked the door behind me. And I'm in the church going around the, the chairs again, began to pray, just pray in tongues. And now this is 
you know, at the time it was brand new to me. It may not be news to you, but to me, someone who's brand new with this new Christian stuff, I'd never experienced anything like this. But as I'm praying, I get this this authority rising up on the inside of me. Something is is brewing inside of me. And I know it's not the coffee. <laughs> it's it's kind of like when you take a can of soda and you shake it real hard. You know, what happens when you open up the lid? It just comes gushing out, right? That's what it felt like. I'm just, something is on the inside of me and it's just brewing. That's coming up, you know, slowly, but it is coming up and I didn't know what to do with it other than give expression to it. So I gave expression to it and it came out this way. I just pointed at something and I said with a very strong authoritative voice, I said, you spirit of death, you come out of her in Jesus' name. I said it with so much authority, I scared myself. I ran to the door, make sure it was locked. Because I'm thinking, if somebody would have heard me, they think I'm crazy. You know, who are you mad at? Who are you yelling at? You know, so yeah, thank, thank God the door was locked and nobody heard me. But I thought, well, I don't know what that was. I'm, I'm new to this. I'd never done anything like this before. I'd never heard of anybody doing this. So, but it, and after I did it, I was done. I could stay longer, but I thought, well, no, I'm done. So I, I went home not really knowing what it was all, all about. So I kind of threw it away. Well, I don't know what that was all about, but it felt good. <laughs> it felt good just to get that off me. So I went home and I had some lunch and in the afternoon or in the evening, we came back for our evening service. So I led praise and worship, introduced the pastor. He came up and he, nothing out of the ordinary, he began to preach, told, told everyone to turn to the gospel of Mark. He, he began his message, nothing out of the ordinary. But all of a sudden, right smack in the middle of his message, he stood on the edge of his pulpit and he got real quiet. Just like this. And he got everybody's attention. He was trying to get everybody's attention by talking, but he got more attention when he was not talking. <laughs> so everybody's paying attention. And now he, he looked to his left and he pointed at a, uh, at a lady and he said, come on up. He said, just come on up. So she came up and she stood right in front of him. And she la he laid hands. No, no, he didn't lay hands on her. He pointed at her. He pointed at her and he said, you spirit of death, you come out of her in Jesus' name with a very authoritative voice. She fell on the floor, and I found out that week she had been healed of terminal cancer. So I thought, whoa, I like this. I like this because I knew, I knew that I had something to do with, with what had happened. I had prayed it out, and he actually acted it out. What a team. Now, everybody was talking about how anointed the pastor was and everything else. <laughs> But, you know, but secretly in myself, I just knew that I had something to do with it. And I thought to myself, man, this stuff is working. This stuff works like this Holy Ghost stuff is working, right? You can, you can work with the Holy Spirit, right? He's not supposed to be a spiritual hitchhiker, right? He's not just to be an, he's not to be an impersonal influence. No, he is a real person, just like Jesus is a real person. He's got a real voice and he'll talk to you. He'll show you things to come. He'll give you good counsel. He'll strengthen you. Amen. He will do all of those things. It's almost like having an, having a, having an insider, right? I don't, I'm sure you know about an insider inf information. You know, if you run the stock market, 
you know, it's kind of a gamble. You know, they call it speculating, but really it's gambling because you don't know, right? But if you have someone on the inside, they, they tend to know. Well, we've got an inside, an insider living inside of us. Amen. He's an insider in it. He knows what's going on in heaven. He knows how heaven functions. And that's the reason why he has come on the inside of you. Amen. Jesus made this statement. He said, new wine must be placed in new vessels. He said, because if you put new wine in old vessels, the old vessel will break and you've lost it all. So that's why Jesus, God made us a new creation. He created a new vessel so that we could be filled with the Holy Spirit, with some new wine. Whoo, amen. Isn't that right? That's awesome, isn't it? I mean, he gives you, you know, he'll, he'll give you some goosebumps. He'll make you laugh. He'll make you shout, do all these kind of things. That's a wonderful thing. I mean, hey, you know, we, have, we need a lot more of those services as well. But he's, he's, but he's also got a, got a job to do. He wants to get some things over to you that you cannot know by yourself, that you cannot do by yourself. And so I can tell you story after story after story, you know, of, you know, how, how the Holy Spirit uh, led us. He imparted things to us that we acted on. And I tell you what, it just worked. It just worked so well that I'm getting really excited about this. So one time, and I want to tell you this story, because this is kind of the way, the reason why we got into doing what we're doing now. Uh, we were at our church, and on Tuesday afternoons, we pray from 12 till 1. We started out as just a staff, but more and more people started to come. So we turned it into a regular prayer meeting. It was really good. And I remember just praying in tongues. I'm just up on stage, just walking up and down, praying in tongues. And how many of you know you can get the interpretation? You can pray for the interpretation. And it, it can come. And so in this case, it came, and I gave the interpretation. I, I said... I, I heard myself say, there are places to go. There are people to see. There are things to say, and there are things to do. I thought, well, yeah, that's good. You know, that's kind of what I'm all about. <laughs> so I, I thought it was good. I kind of, you know, looked around to see everybody else was as excited as I was about it. Nobody seemed to really pay attention. So I thought, okay, fine. <laughs> but it helped me. But then I walked away from the prayer room and I got back in the natural. How many of you know you can, that's easy to do. You get away from the prayer room, you get back in the natural. And I started to think to myself, you know what? Everybody's got places to go. Everybody's got things to, or people to see. Everybody's got things to say and things to do. So what's so different about this? But it made me conscious of this fact that there are divine appointments. Amen. There are people, there are people that you must meet. If you want to go to your next level, or if they need to go to the next level, there are people that you must meet. Amen. We will call them divine appointments or divine events. Right? There's, there's something that got to happen. The problem is you can't figure that out by yourself. Right? Because... People to meet would mean, you know, you're going to go to the banker because he might be able to help you with some money. Or I'm going to marry that girl or I'm going to marry that hunk because they just look so good. You could wind up with the wrong people if you try to figure it out with your head. You're going to have to pray those things out and then the Lord will supernaturally lead you to the right people. Amen. And so after that, I didn't really give it that much thought, actually. You know, I thought, yeah, that makes sense. You know, I'm more aware now 
of divine appointments. I have to keep my eyes and my ears open for those kind of settings. So then my daughter-in-law came back from a mission around that time, a couple of weeks after that. She came back from a mission and she told me, because I'm interested in missions, she told me, she said, I believe the Lord, had, or I've been in every place the Lord wanted me to go. She said, except for one place, and that is Gulu, Uganda. And the minute she said, Gulu, Uganda, I just knew like I know my own name, I must go to Gulu, Uganda. I'd never heard of Gulu, Uganda, so I googled Gulu. <laughs> and I found out, I found out it's kind of a wild place, you know. It's kind of a wild place is where a crazy guy by the name of Kony is. Right, I don't even know if you've ever heard, heard of him, but he's a, it's a wild place. And we went there and we saw the aftermath of what has happened. It's just really, really horrible, you know. Uh, I don't want to get in all, all of the details of that. And, uh, but one of the things that did happen was, you know, just quickly tell you this, um, you know, that as we went to Gula, actually my, my contact in, in, in U Uganda told me, don't go to Gula because it's a, it's a dangerous place. Of all the places, let's not go there. Well, I said, you know, I believe the Lord wants me to go and I'm going to take a team with me. So would you be willing to set something up? He said, well, if you want me to, then I'll do. But I, he said, I'm, 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 I'm not recommending that you go there. So I stuck with, with it. I said, well, I just believe the Lord wants us to go to Gulu, Uganda. I advertised it that way. It's going to be a little bit of an adventurous trip. It's not the most uh, popular place to go, but, you know, for those souls, for the people that want to come, you know, it's going to cost you $3,500 to come to go on this trip, and six brave souls signed up, and I take those six souls with me to Gulu, Uganda, only to find out when we got there, there was nothing there for us. Now, that doesn't really sound good, does it? Right? It doesn't sound good. I mean, my contact told me, you know, I've tried to set things up, but nothing panned out. So, you know, you get second thoughts all of a sudden. Well, did I miss it? What, you know, what have I done wrong? So what am I going to tell my people who just spent $3,500 on an exciting, adventurous mission trip and there's nothing there for them? So I went back and I began to tell them, and, you know, to tell them there's nothing there for us. You know, we did our best, but it looks like there's nothing available for us here, you know, the way that it was explained to us. So thank God they were Christians. <laughs> so they didn't stone him. They didn't stone me. And, uh, and they said, they had a really good attitude. But well, you know what? We're just going to go one-on-one -on -one and just evangelize, which was something we were going to do in any way. But it was going to be kind of a filler between all of the meetings that we had planned. Do you know what I mean? We, we're going to go uh, out, out and about into the area, just witness one-on-one, -on -one, you know, uh, between the services. But now we're going to do that for the next three days. So... I'm thinking, oh man, you know, this, this doesn't look good. But I'm glad they had a good attitude. While I'm talking, two, two big guys who come walking in from Uganda, from the area. They're looking around, you know. They see us. We were not hard to point out. We were not hard to find. <laughs> so they pointed us and they came over to us. And they asked me, I said, are, are, you, are you from Canada? I said, yes. Well, we, we heard about you. You know, we had a meeting planned, but the preacher who was supposed to be there wasn't able to make it. And we've got two open-air uh, miracle meetings planned. Could you do it? And so I thought, uh, 
well? I said, no. I said, oh. I said, yes. That's why we came. That's why we came. And so we were part of that. And out of that came two brand new churches. So something that we had even planned on. Praise the Lord. So, you know, places to go, people to see. It may not seem like it's working out, but if you just stick with it, things will pan out. But during that time, there was also something else that happened to me. And that was this, you know, it, it, again, it goes, it has to do with people to see, places to go, things to say, things to do. So uh, I went to the uh, hotel where we, where we stayed and the lady behind the desk asked me if I could write down my name and the name of my uh, team members, you know, so as I'm writing down my name and everybody else's name. I just asked her a simple question, like, like, like I normally would do. I said, well, I said, do you know Jesus? So she went like this to me. She said, I don't want to know you. I don't want to know you, Jesus. I'm a, I'm a Muslim. I said, well, I said, I'm not really here to fight about that. But you know what? And, you know, I said it by the Spirit. You know what's going to happen to you? Jesus is going to come to you, and he's going to make himself real to you. You wait and see. So she rolled her eyes at me just like this. I said, oh. I'll be, I'll be waiting, she said, you know, very sarcastically. And she went back to whatever she was doing. I went back to what I was doing. The next day was a Sunday morning. So I got up early to get ready for my messages. So I went to the restaurant, get myself a cup of coffee. And while I'm pouring my, my coffee, she saw me. She was making breakfast for all the people. She's the manager of the hotel. So she came up to me and uh, she asked me, can I have a cup of coffee with you? I said, well, sure. You know, so we're sitting down over a cup of coffee and this is what she said. She said, last night, a man dressed in white came to me and he said to me, child, follow your heart. Do what your heart says. And she asked him, she asked him saying, who, who are you? And he said to her, I am the living one whom you say you don't know and don't want to know. But I have always known you. And soon you will know me too. Have you seen those people? And in this vision or a dream, she didn't know it was a vision or a dream or if it actually happened. But in this vision or this, this dream, he pointed at my team and he said to her, listen to them, they're of my kingdom. And then he was gone. So she asked me, so what, what do I do? What do I do? Well, I have to process it all right real quick. <laughs> and I said to her, while well, the man I talked to you about uh, yesterday, this Jesus, that's the man that met you, right? You know, he, he, he came just to pay you a visit. And uh, I said, you know, you may recognize him in Islam as a prophet, but I, I'm going to tell you, he's so much more than a prophet in that he is the Lord of the human race, in that God sent him to die for our sin, and he raised him from the dead, so that if you believe on him, you could be a, a, a born-again believer. You could be saved. And she looked at me, and she said, I, I believe that. I believe that. And so I had the great opportunity, the great privilege to introduce her to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. She received them right there, got filled with the Holy Spirit right there, spoke in tongues right there, <laughs> helped us lay hands on the sick the following day, helped us with another couple of missions, you know, a couple of years later. And, uh, you know, and it's during that time that I found out a little bit more about her. 
uh, you know, because I, I asked her, could you write me a little bit of your testimony and, and, and of your background? So she did. And, you know, when she wrote it to me, I have to tell you this, you know, I'm sitting in my office and when she wrote everything about her, you know, she wrote to me that she really is an, an Ethiopian woman uh, who was, had been put in prison many times because her parents or her family were in politics. And, you know, if you read between the lines, you know, they were rebel leaders. And so they as a family were put in prison many times and they did awful things to her. You know, they just, they, they rolled her in a mat and left her in the sun to rot. They pulled all the nails off her toes, you know, with a pair of pliers, trying to get inf information out of her. She was raped by military soldiers and wound up with the AIDS virus. So she had one opportunity to flee. And so she fled with her, with her little sister. So she fled via Kenya and came into U U Uganda that way. She went to Gulu because she knew that the Ethiopian soldiers would never find her there, would never go there because of this crazy guy, Kony. The enemy of my enemy is your friend kind of a deal, right? So that's why she's there. But she told me in this, in this letter that she really wanted to, to commit suicide. The only reason why she didn't do it is because what's going to happen to my little sister. So that's the only reason why she didn't do it. But she said, I did my best to, to shorten my life by getting involved in alcohol and in drugs and in smoking. And that's the time when Jesus came and met her. He is a wonderful Savior, isn't he? Amen. He is a wonderful Savior. And, but you know, something happened, happened to me because I'm reading all these things, you know, that you, I'm finding out she's an Ethiopian. And I'm reading all the things. And the way that she wrote it, I mean, it just melted my heart. And I sobbed like a baby for three days, right? I would come into the office. I would read, read her email and just, I just sobbed, right? I'm thinking to myself, what's the matter with me? You know, because I'm supposed to be tough. Right? I mean, crying once in a while is okay, of course. But sobbing like a baby for three days, there's something seriously wrong with me. I'm thinking to myself, you know, what if my board members would see me in my office like this for three days? Because I just couldn't get past it. But what the Lord did, He, he softened my heart towards Muslim people. Because in the past, I would kind of avoid them, thinking, you know, I've tried to reach them. But it always turns into a debate. Right? I mean, this is what the Bible says. This is what the Quran says. So you can't, I, and I don't want to argue with people. That doesn't really help, help a whole lot. So, but while this is happening, uh, then I got a heart, you know. I'm thinking to myself, there's got to be some more people in, in Ethiopia that may have a very similar story. So I got myself a team and I took a whole team with me to, uh, to uh, Ethiopia. There's a lady that heard my story tell them, you know, about this girl. Her, her, her name is, is Madia. And so she heard the story and she said to me, that's what happened to me when I was a little Muslim girl. You know, I was a 12-year-old girl and Jesus appeared to me. And uh, so I was ostracized by my family because I became a born-again believer. I was ostracized. My, my family kicked me out of the house at 12 years of age. Uh, I had to leave, the, leave my village. So I had to live most of my life outside of my village. But I'm back in because I have a, I have a Christian school, she said. And, you know, even though Muslims may not like Christians, they do like ed education. So she has an opportunity to bring some of the kids in. So she asked me, would you mind coming? Could you come 
to my village and just preach Jesus. I said, I'd be more than happy to. So I took a team with, with me. There's one gentleman you may know, Larry Brown. He's, he's a Rama graduate. He came, he came with me. He helped, he helped us set the whole thing up. And, um, and I tell you what, you know, we went to this village, preached a real simple message. And there were about nine elders, Muslim elders, sitting on the, sitting on the ground. And one of them stood up and began to talk to me through an uh, uh, interpreter. And he basically said this, you know, that we're going to open up this whole village for, for you to introduce us to Jesus. Amen. So, uh, you know, the whole village got, got, got saved. Not, not all at once, but over time. As a matter of fact, Larry and I went back uh, last year and, uh, you know, preached Jesus again. And another 80 Muslims became born again during that time. They've given us some property just outside of this, uh, you know, not right on the Muslim ground, but just outside of it. And uh, they said, you know, if you want to, you can build a, build a church. So that's what we're doing right now. That's why I'm going back, you know, just to see what we can do. And at the same time, uh, reach, reach a lot of pastors, you know, reach a lot of pastors all at the same time. Because how many of you know that our message, this, this word of faith that we preach, amen, is, a, is the most powerful message that this earth knows. Amen. Because it's backed by heaven itself. It's backed by a Holy Ghost power. Amen. But I remember driving home from the place, you know, after, after knowing that an, an entire village, is an entire Muslim village is coming to Jesus. I remember driving home from the place, or my, to, my, uh, to the, the uh, hotel where we stayed. I'm thinking to myself, how did this happen? <laughs> but it brought me right back again to... You know, what I prayed out in tongues. There are places to go. There are people to see. There are things to say. And there are things to do. Amen. So I want to leave, leave that with you this, this afternoon. Uh, you know, yes, you know, we can receive Jesus. But the reason why you receive Jesus is really so that a next step can happen. That you become filled with the Holy Spirit. And put Him to work in, in your life. Amen. He really does not mind being put to work. When we begin to work with Him, He'll show us things to come. He'll give us wisdom. He'll give us words to speak. He will impart information to us that only He knows that we can never figure out with our natural brains. Amen. So I'm going to invite you.